This is Shakespeare Closely Read. I'm your host, Mark Naftal. In this podcast, I read the works of William Shakespeare and other authors in the public domain. In addition to reading these works in their entirety, I will stop frequently to comment on the text, its meaning, and lessons to be drawn. This is a place for lovers of Shakespeare's words, words, words. I delight in the beauty of his language and believe that this beauty we can find truth and how to live a virtuous life. I hope this podcast can help students understand Shakespeare better and how to appreciate his sometimes difficult language. Maybe you can use it to help you write papers or study for tests. Drop me an email at shakespeareclosely at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, alternative interpretations. I would like some help. Let us begin. I have been on my summer vacation, congé, as the French might call it. And uh, during this time, I uh, took much needed rest, relaxation. And uh, I took a trip, actually, to, uh, to Scotland, where it was delightfully cool. I did not see Macbeth while I was there, either the king or the play. Um, I did notice a few weird sisters walking about, but I think that was just the local landscape. At any rate, I am uh, back home now, and let us begin um, season two. In season one, we went through uh, several of Shakespeare's great plays, some of the histories, a couple of comedies, tragedies. Um, I thought we might continue on the theme which we examined last season, and that of politics, and like to pick up particularly with Roman politics and look at uh, three Roman plays. First, uh, Coriolanus, set in the Roman Republic. Julius Caesar then, the uh, beginnings of the Roman Empire. And Antony and Cleopatra, the the Civil War. Uh, The first two, doubtless, um, are political in nature. Julius Caesar is seen as the greatest of the three. Antony and Cleopatra, more about love and obsession, but uh, those can be political things as well. Coriolanus, I have seen it uh, enacted, as Hamlet might say, or Polonius might say. Uh, It was a local production, just I'd have to say just average. Uh, It might be more of a play for our time because um, it deals with issues of uh, playing to the mob, the tension between democracy and and the elites, which uh, we're certainly seeing play out in our time um, now. Also, it says a lot about loyalty um, to country and so forth. Uh, the concept of betrayal was, was very different in ancient times and, and than what we see now. Um, there were no nations um, such as we consider them today. And it was fairly common for uh, generals and high politicians to switch sides frequently if they might be thrown out in a power struggle or something like that. So Coriolanus um, deals with some of these themes. So without further ado, let's jump in. Act 1, Scene 1. Enter a company of mutinous citizens with staves, clubs, and other weapons. First citizen. Before we proceed any further, hear me speak. Oh, speak, speak, first citizen. You are resolved rather to die than to famish. All oh, resolved, resolved. First, first citizen. First, you must know that Caius Marchus is chief enemy to the people. Because that would be uh, Coriolanus. Oh, we know it, we know it, first citizen. Let us kill him and we'll have corn at our own price. Is it a verdict? Okay, so 
Shakespeare in this instance doesn't really think much of the mob. It sort of sounds like uh, uh, his rebels in Henry VI saying, first let's kill all the lawyers and somehow killing um, a patrician is going to give them all corn at their own price. Um, and he's asking them for a verdict, though I guess he wants some sort of uh, play, at least, of justice and procedure. All No more talking on it. Let it be done. Away, away, second citizen. One word, good citizens, first citizen. We are counted poor citizens. The patrician's good. What authorities surfeits on would relieve us? If they would yield us but the superfluity while it were wholesome, we might guess they relieved us humanely, but they think we are too dear. The leanness that afflicts us, the object of our misery, is as an inventory to particularize their abundance. Our sufferance is a gain to them. Okay, sufferance there uh, could mean like bearing with, also suffering, also probably their uh, their votes, uh, which plebeians had a vote. The common people had a vote. Um, in Rome, which is going to be uh, of particular importance in this in this play. Back to the text. Let us revenge this with our pikes, ere we become rakes. Okay, uh, play there on pikes and rakes. For the gods know I speak this in hunger for bread, not in thirst for revenge. Second citizen, would you proceed especially against Caius Marcius? Uh, against him first, he's a very dog to the commonality. Second citizen. Consider you what services he has done for his country. Versus, and very well, and could be content to give him good report for it, but that he pays himself with being proud. Second citizen, nay, but speak not maliciously. First citizen, I say unto you what he hath done famously, he did it to that end. Though soft-conscienced men can be content to say it was for his country, he did it to please his mother, and to be partly proud, which he is, even to the altitude of his virtue. Okay, so he's as proud as he is virtuous, which I don't know if Shakespeare might look on that as sort of a balanced thing and the right pride, if you will. Second citizen, what he cannot help in his nature, you account a vice in him. You must in no way say he is covetous. First citizen, if I must not, I need not be barren of accusations. He hath faults with surplus to tire and repetition, shouts within. What shouts are these? The other side of the city is risen. Why stay we prating here to the capital? All come, come. Enter Menenius Agrippa, first citizen. Soft, who comes here? Second citizen, worthy Menenius Agrippa, one that hath always loved the people. First citizen, he's one honest enough. Would all the rest were so. Menenius. What works, my countrymen, in hand? Where go you with bats and clubs? The matter, speak, I pray you, second citizen. Our business is not known to the Senate. They have, they have had inkling this fortnight what we intend to do, which now will show them in deeds. They say poor suitors have strong breasts. They shall know we have strong arms, too, Menenius. Why, masters, my good friends, mine honest neighbors, will you undo yourselves, second citizen? We cannot, sir. We are undone already. Menenius. I tell you, friends, most charitable care have the patricians of you. For your wants, your suffering in this dearth, you may as well strike at the heaven with your staves as lift them against the Roman state, whose course will on the way it takes, cracking ten thousand curbs of more strongly asunder that can ever appear in your impediment. 
for the dearth, that's the famine, I suppose. The gods, not the patricians, make it. And your knees to them, not arms, must help. So he's saying uh, to pray to the gods. Uh, let's get on your knees. Alack, you are transported by calamity. Thither where more attends you, and you slander the helms of the state, who care for you like fathers when you curse them as enemies. Second citizen, care for us? True indeed, they ne'er cared for us yet. Suffer us to famish, and their storehouses crammed, crammed with grain. Make edicts for usury to support usurers. Repeal daily any wholesome act established against the rich, and provide more piercing statutes daily to chain up and restrain the poor. If the wars eat us not up, they will, and there's all the love they bear us. Menenius, you think that you must confess yourselves wondrous malicious or be accused of folly. I shall tell you a pretty tale, and maybe you have heard it, but since it serves my purpose, I will venture to stale it a little more. Okay, uh, a pretty tale and stale there, and stale, I guess it means it's been told so much that it's getting stale. Second citizen. Well, I'll hear it, sir, yet you must not think to fob off our disgrace with a tale, but and please you, deliver, Meninius. There was a time when all the body's members rebelled against the belly, thus accused it, that only like a gulf it did remain in the midst of the body, idle and inactive, still covering the viand, never bearing like labor with the rest, where the other instruments did see and hear, devise, instruct, walk, feel, and mutually participate, did minister into the appetite and affection common to the whole body. The belly answered. Second citizen, well, sir, what made answer made the belly? Meninius, sir, I shall tell you, with a kind of smile, with ne'er came from the lungs, but even thus, for look you, I may make the belly smile as well as speak. It tauntingly replied to the discontented members, the mutinous parts, that envied his receipt. Even so, most fitly as you malign our senators, for that they are not such as you. Second citizen. Your bellies answer what? The kingly crowned head, the vigilant eye, the counselor heart, the arm, our soldier, our steed, the leg, the tongue, our trumpeter. With other monuments and petty helps, this is, this is our fabric. If they that, if that they, Meninius, what then? For me, this fellow speaks. What then? What then? Second citizen. Should by corman not belly be restrained, who is the sink of the body? Meninius, well, what then? Second citizen, the former agents, if they did complain, what could the belly answer? Meninius, I will tell you, if you'll bestow a small of what you have, little patience a while, whilst you hear the belly's answer. Second citizen, you're long about it, Meninius. Note me this, good friend. Your most grave belly was deliberate, not rash like his accusers, and thus answered. True it is, my incorporeate friends. Okay, they're, they're not in body. They're not fleshy like he is. That's incorporeate. No, I mean, they might mean that they're all together in the body. Yeah, I think that's what it means, like to incorporate um, for a business. Uh, they all grown together. They're all together in the body. And thus there's their incorporate friends, quote he. That I receive the general food at first, which you do live upon and fit it is, because I am the storehouse and the shop of the whole body. But if you do remember, I send it through the rivers of your blood, even to the court, the heart, the seat of the brain, 
and through the cranks and offices of man, the strongest nerves and small inferior veins from me receive that natural competency whereby they live. And though that all at once you, my good friends, this says the belly mark me, second citizen, I, sir, well, well, Meninius, though all at once cannot see, I do deliver out to each. Yet I can make my audit up, that all from me do back receive the flower of all. That's F-L-O-U-R, probably also a pun on flowers and the plant. And leave me but the bran. What say to it, second citizen? It was an answer. How apply you this, Meninius? The senators of Rome are this good belly, and you the mutinous members, for examine their counsels and their cares, suggest things rightly, touching the wheel of the common, you shall find no public benefit which you receive, but it proceeds or comes from them to you, and no way from yourselves. What do you think, you, the great toe of this assembly? Okay, I've heard this um, metaphor of the body used before, and sometimes it goes on with other uh, uh, more dishonorable, shall we say, parts of the body they complain about, and um, and uh, and that member then uh, shuts himself off and refuses to act, and soon everything gets stunk up. And the, uh, I even heard it said, uh, "Pardon the same." This is what I heard. That it just goes to show that there's always an asshole in charge. Uh, so I don't know. At any rate, um, Shakespeare apparently was the first one to. Uh, to report this sort of thing, and this is where it comes from. And he, uh, Meninius here, calls him a great toe, the, the plebeians. Second citizen, I, the great toe, why the great toe, Meninius? For that being one of the lowest, basest, poorest of this most wise rebellion, thou goest foremost, thou rascal. Thou art worst in blood to run, lead us first to win some vantage, but make you ready your stiff backs and clubs, Rome and her rats are at the point of battle. The one side must have bail. Enter Caius Martius. Hail, noble Martius. Martius. Thanks. What's the matter, you dissensuous rogues, that rubbing the poor itch of your opinion make yourselves scabs? Second citizen. We have ever your good word, Martius. He that will good good words to thee will flatter beneath the pouring. What would you have, you curs, that like not peace nor war? The one affrights you, the other makes you proud. Okay, what is he saying there that peace makes them frightened and war makes them proud? Maybe it's the other way around. Any rate, back to the text on Martius. He that trusts to you, where he should find you lions, find you hares, where foxes geese, you are no sure, no, then is the coal of fire upon the ice or hailstone in the sun. Your virtue is to make him worthy whose offense subdues him, and curse that justice did it. Who deserves greatness deserves your hate, and your affections are a sick man's appetite, who desires most that which would increase his evil. He that depends upon your favor swims with fins of lead, and hews down oaks with rushes. Okay, he's going to himself have to depend upon their favor, but he's saying they swim. Like a fish with a, has a fin of lead. Back to the text, still Martius. Hang you, trust you? With every minute you do change your mind and call him noble that was now your hate. Him vile that was your garland. What's the matter? That in these several places of the city you cry against the noble senate, who under the gods keep you in awe. 
which else would feed on one another? What's their seeking, Menenius? For corn at their own rates, whereof they say the city is well stored. Okay, you got corn there, think grain. Marcius, hang them, they say. They'll sit by the fire and presume to know what's done in the capital. Who's light to rise, who thrives, and who declines. Side factions and give out conjectural marriages, making parties strong and feebling such as stand not in their liking beneath their cobbled shoes. They say there's grain enough. With the nobility laid aside their Ruth and let me use a sword. That's Ruth means pity. And he's saying he wanted to use a sword on him. Back to the text on Marcius. I'd make a quarry with thousands of these quartered slaves as high as I could pick my lance. Menenius. Nay, they're almost thoroughly persuaded. For though abundantly they lack discretion, they are passing cowardly. But I beseech you, what says the other troop? Marcius. They are dissolved. Hang them. They said they were an hungry, side forth proverbs, that hunger broke stone walls, that dogs must eat, that meat was made from mouths, and that the gods sent not corn for rich man only. With these shreds they vented their complainings, which being answered in a petition granted them a strange one to break the heart of generosity and make bold power look pale, they threw their caps, as they would hang them on the horns of the moon, shouting their emulation. So they throw their hats up, uh, uh, he says, up to the moon. So it looks like uh, the other part of the city, uh, the nobles gave in and said, okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll grant you your petition. Menenius, what is granted them? Marcius, five tribunes to defend their vulgar wisdoms of their own choice. One's Junius Brutus, Sicinius Velatus, I know not. It's death. The rabble would have first unroofed the city, there so prevailed with me. It will in time win upon power and throw forth greater themes for insurrections arguing. Okay, so they got the tribunes. And in, uh, in the Roman governing structure, when they got the tribunes, at first all they could do was uh, veto uh, legislation, which the, the Senate passed. So they gave the common people their tribunes. They would cry a veto, which means uh, the legislation would not, would not. Tribunes later became a type of office in the... Uh, curious honoris, I believe, as well as the honorable course that um, young Romans uh, went through who wished to advance in governance and wasn't left only for the plebeians at that point. <coughs> Meninius, this is strange. Martius, get you home, you fragments. Enter a messenger hastily. Messenger, where's Caius Martius? Martius here. What's the matter? Messenger, the news is, sir, the Volsus are in arms. Vol- Volskis? Volscus, I'll call him Volscus. The Volscus are in arms, Martius. I'm glad on it. Then we shall have means to vent our musty superfluity. Okay, so that might be the uh, uh, the thinking of the ill humors that needed to be to be bled out. Enter Sicinius, Volucius, Junius Brutus, the two tribunes. Cominius, Titius Larcius, and other senators. Now Brutus there. He's um, of the same family that uh, our Brutus and Julius Caesar later came from. They were known as uh, advocates of ancient liberties for the Romans. Still Martius, see, our best elders. He might be being sarcastic there. Martius is a rather sarcastic person. First Senator, Martius, tis true that you have lately told us the Volskis, the the Volskis, Volskis, Volskis are in arms. Marcius, they have a leader. Tulus Ofridius, they will put it to you. 
that will put you to it. I sin in envying his nobility, and were I anything but I am, I would wish me only he. Okay, so Marcius admires the Volscian leader. Comenius, you have fought together. Marcius, were half to half the world by the ears, and he upon my party, I'd revolt to make only my wars with him. He is a lion that I am proud to hunt. Okay. He's saying if he was with him, he'd revolt in order to make him a, an enemy in order to be able to fight with him. He ends up joining with him, though. Interesting. Then, worthy Marcus, attend upon Cominius to these wars, Cominius. It is your former promise, Marcus. Sir, it is. And I am constant. Titus, Artetius, thou shalt see me once more strike at Tullus' face. What? Art thou stiff? Standest out? No, Caius Martius, I'll lean upon one crutch and fight with the other. Ere stay behind this business. Minicius, uh, Meninius, oh, true bread for a senator. Your company to the capital where I know our greatest friends attend us. Lartius Cominius, lead you on to Martius. Follow Cominius, we must follow you. Right worthy your priority. Cominius, noble Martius, first senator of the citizens. Hence you to homes, be gone, Martius. Nay, let them follow. The Volskis have much corn. Take these rats thither to gnaw their garners. Okay, so like he's saying, let them go to the war that they might uh, get some plunder. Citizens, okay, citizens steal away. They don't want to go to the war. Worshipful mutineers, your valor puts well forth. Pray follow. They exit. Sicinius and Brutus remain. Sicinius, was ever man so proud as is this Martius? Brutus, he has no equal. Sicinius, when we were chosen tribunes for the people, Brutus marked you his lip and eyes. Sicinius, nay, but his taunts. Brutus, being moved, he will not spare to gird the gods. Sicinius, be mocked the modest moon. Brutus, Present wars devour him. He has grown too proud to be so valiant. Sicinius, such a nature, tickled with good success, disdains a shadow which he treads on at noon. But I wonder, but I do wonder, his insolence can brook to be commanded under Cominius. Brutus, fame at the which he aims, and whom he's already well graced, cannot better be held nor more attained than by a place below the first. For what miscarriage shall be the general's fault, though he performed the utmost of a man, and giddy censure will then cry out of Marcius, Oh, if he had borne the business. Sicinius. Besides, if things go well, opinion that so sticks on Marcius shall of his demerits rob Cominius. Brutus, come. Half of all Cominius' honors are to Marcius, so Marcius earned them not, and all his faults to Marcius shall be honors, though indeed in aught he merit not. Sicinius, let's hasten here how the dispatch is made and in what fashion. More than his singularity, he goes upon this present action. Let's along. They exit. So already we see uh, Sicinius and Brutus uh, envious of uh, Martius and uh, starting a plot against him. So uh, uh, we see uh, the politics here starting to uh, rear themselves and Martius, yeah, really proud, no doubt about that. 
but he's also a bit of a babe in the woods when it comes to these political matters, and he's going to fall right into their trap, as we shall see. Scene two. Intertelus Alfredius was senators of, the, of Cariol, Cariolis. Okay, so Tellus Alfredius is the foil of uh, Martius, first senator. So your opinion is, Alfredius, that they of Rome are entered in our councils and know how we proceed. In other words, there's a spy. Alfredius, is it not yours? Whatever had been thought on in this state that could be brought to bodily act ere Rome has circumvention, Tis not four days gone since I heard he hence, since I heard hint, thence. These are the words, I think. I have the letter here. Yes, here it is, he reads. He reads, they have pressed a power, but it is not known whether for east or west. The dearth is great, the people mutinous, and is rumored, Cominius, Marcius, your old enemy, who is of Rome's worse hated than of you. Okay, so already Rome hates Marcius more than uh, Aphridius, who's their worst enemy. Antitius Laritius, uh, Lartius, a most valiant Roman, these three lived on this preparation, where, whether tis bent or likely tis for you, consider of it, first senator, armies in the field. We never yet made doubt, but Rome was ready to answer us, Aphidius. Nor did you think it folly to keep your great pretenses veiled till when they needs must show themselves, which in the hatching seems appeared to Rome. By the discovery, we shall be shortened in our aim, which was to take in many towns, or almost Rome should know we were afoot. Senator Second. Second Senator. Noble Aphidius, take your commission, hie you to your bands. Let us alone to guard Cariolius. If they set foot, set down, if they set down before us, tis for their move, bring up your army. But I think you'll find they've not prepared for us. Aphidius. Oh, doubt not that. I speak from certainties. Nay, more. Some parcels of their power are forth already, if only hitherward. I leave your honors, if we in Cassius Martius chance to meet, to swore in between us we shall ever strike, till one can do no more. All. Oh, the gods assist you, Aphidius, and keep your honors safe. Farewell, farewell, farewell. Okay, and... I think that's probably a good place for us to stop this uh, first episode of of season two of Shakespeare Closely Read. So thank you for your return. And we'll pick up there with Act One, Scene Three next time, Carrie Until then, adieu.